Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. And I'm officially here to declare it Friday. Good morning, Americans. It's Friday. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there's enough. I don't know if there's enough legal stuff to talk about. I. I, I don't know that we have enough legal conversation to engage in a, a robust discussion with Mr. St. Clair. I don't know. Don't worry about it. You just fill time with racing. Yeah, we can't talk about racing. That's a lot more fun. You know, the Daytona 500 is coming up, Bill. Hey, Jay St. Clair, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Hey, buddy. You know, if I were any better, Matt, I would have been with John Henry Aww. when he walked across the Rainbow Bridge. He was so lucky to find you. And honestly, Matt, you were so lucky to adopt him. Well, that's that's exactly right. That was exactly right. It was a tough week, but um, you remember the 11 years of the good times, and, and yep. man, oh, man, what a good boy he was. What a good dog he was. And he was lucky to get to meet you, Jack. How about that? Yeah, yep. no, it was all meant to be, and I don't know how much of the story you've told, but he, he absolutely hit a home run when you adopted him. He didn't know it, but he came to find that out over the years. And I just love watching you all together, man. Yeah, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. You're very kind. Uh, and just give Olivia a big old hug. I might have a chance to give Olivia a hug myself <laughs> over in the next 24 hours or so. Who knows? I was about to say, it might be a group hug. <laughs> well, well, we'll see about all that. Uh, Jay, I have a, uh, we have a, a little side action, a little side bet going on, okay? I'm not playing uh, the hard ways. Well, well, you know, you hadn't had enough liquor uh, to play hard ways. But uh, so uh, here's the side action. Uh, you, it is dealer's choice. Okay. Which conversation interests you more? What happened with Joe Biden and the special prosecutor over the last 24 hours, or the arguments being made before the United States Supreme Court regarding Donald Trump in Colorado? Which I, I won't even say which interests you more. Which do you want to talk about first? You know, the second one, I just think there's not much to say about it, Matt. So I picked the first one. Trump's going to win that case. To me, the only the only open issue in that case is uh, how many judges are going to vote to do that. Mm -hmm. It would be this would be a great time for them to issue a per curiam opinion. I, I, I know when you love it when I speak. To you. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's got a pretty mouth. Uh, <laughs> I figured you'd like that. <laughs> oh, wow. You must be for going. Uh, so, yeah, per curia. Is that, is that uh, per the court? What is that? That's right. It's by the court, which means no judge uh, is the author. It's, it's written by the court. It's not, you know, almost all the opinions or somebody delivers the majority of it. Even if it's unanimous, one justice authors it. Mm -hmm. When they issue a per curiam opinion, it's from the court, all of them. Uh, it's like we are all of a like mind. We're so much of a like mind about this that we're not, no one of us is going to put our name on it. All of us are. 
And it's kind of like they're speaking strongly as a unit of nine. Yeah, that's exactly right. You said that exactly right. And this would be just a great time for them to do that. But probably won't happen, man. But, but yeah, Trump's going to win that case. What do you... Uh, <laughs> What I mean? Do you think maybe you might have one or or two that veer off the reservation and? Yep, yeah. And, well, and you know, it depends on what basis they they hold it on. But but Roberts is a clever guy, and he he might be able to find a way to say, hey, if we base it on this, can you sign on? Mm-hmm. And, I, and there's a lot of different. There's multiple reasons why Trump's due to win that case, and so he's got a lot of choices. And he might be able to find a reason that it, that all nine of them could say, all right, I, I can go with that. Well, you've taught me over the years, because believe it or not, contrary to what you believe, I actually listen. I listen. <laughs> um, I talk for a living, but I also listen a little. And you know, you've taught me not to base what you think the outcome of, of a Supreme Court case is going to be on the type of questions that they ask, that that is a it's in some ways a fool's errand. At the same time, I mean, when I got Elena Kagan wondering why Colorado gets to decide the presidential election, one state gets to decide what fifty states ought to decide. That has to that has to give me hope uh, that this is a uh, a slam dunk. Well, I'm basing my view on personal experience. Matt. When my case was being argued in the United States Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg asked some very pointed questions that were very much in favor of my client. And I walked out of there saying, "We got Ginsburg." If you got, I mean, and if you got Ginsburg, you, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're going to destroy this thing. And she not only dissented in a rare moment, she read her entire dissenting opinion from only uh, dais at the Supreme Court when the decision was announced. So I have personal experience about this, man. You're like, huh, I misread that one. You still won the case, but you misread it. <laughs> All right, well, let, let's talk about, I mean, I mean, I understand this is where the law and politics intersect, these special prosecutors and all of this. But this is fascinating. I mean, the the cases, I mean, I mean, you could put a note card in between the difference between, in my estimation, between what Joe Biden's being accused of doing and what Donald Trump was accused of doing. But the difference in the manner in which they handle these cases is astronomical. And they want to pretend that the American people don't notice this. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, this case. I mean, where, what interests you out of what came out of the special counsel report yesterday? Well, um for one, this special counsel acted like a prosecutor is supposed to. There is a guidebook for Department of Justice lawyers, man, that says when you're supposed to charge somebody or not. And um, it basically says you should only do that if you believe there is a good chance you will get a conviction. You shouldn't charge somebody if you don't believe you could get a conviction. And that's what this what this guy said basically was he's guilty, but I don't think we can get a conviction because he's such a pitiful guy. The jury's gonna feel sorry for him. So even though he's guilty, uh, I don't think we should charge him. That's that's it in a nutshell. 
And uh, and the White House doesn't seem to like that analysis very much on any front. Well, it helps them legally. I mean, I, I guarantee they're feeling a lot better than if he had recommended that he be charged. Right? But, but because if if he's charged, they can't. What what would happen? I mean, would they have to just sit on it until he leaves the presidency? That's exactly right. Because the Department of Justice, for for a long term, well, since Watergate, has said that that the sitting president cannot be indicted. Uh, you know, even if he commits a, if he robs a bank, he just can't indict him. So yes, if he had recommended that he be charged, they sit back and say, okay, well, we got to wait till he's no longer president. And that was part of the determination is that at that point, you're going to have this 80-something-year-old, pitiful old man who can't remember anything, who couldn't remember anything while he was being interviewed. And, and just no, no jury is going to look at this pathetic old man and, and, and convict. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if they say no jury, but it'd be extremely, we think it'd be extremely hard to get a conviction. And so based on the guidelines that apply to federal prosecutors, we recommend that we don't charge him. Even though he's guilty. I mean, they clearly said he was guilty. So, I mean, it's going to surprise a lot of people. And I want you to kind of double down on what you just said. That this prosecutor, you know, for me, I'm a black and white guy, Jay. You know me, right? So if he's guilty and if the prosecutor finds the evidence that of his guilt, that he believes that he's guilty, he believes, I mean, why in the world... Do we expect our prosecutors to get into the arena of considering what a jury may or may not do with the evidence that's right there before us? We would think, I mean, I think most people would think, well, if he finds that evidence, then it it is his duty to then move forward with the prosecution. But you're saying that it's not that simple. Well, you say you live in a black and white world. I'm certain that you have been pulled over for speeding before, haven't you? I have. Yes. Probably on that little motorcycle. <laughs> Maybe once or twice. I don't know. And and, and you were speeding, weren't you? I, I was, Jay. I have been speeding, yes. And the police officer didn't write you a ticket. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did the right thing, didn't he, man? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know. <laughs> At the moment, <laughs> at that moment, when he got in his cruiser and drove away, and you're putting your helmet well, on, cranking up that little fancy motorcycle, <laughs> you're praying, you're thanking God, and saying that it was a nice police officer. Well, right, but but because that police officer, let's take it a step further, because that police officer gave me a break. Mm-hmm. He said, yes. I'm going to do you a favor. Yes. Yes. You said that exactly right. But you have been listening to me all the years. Hey? Right. And so, that there. It, but right now, I'm watching a press conference in front of the White House, in the White House press room, where the White House is saying that this prosecutor didn't do them a favor, didn't give them a break, that this prosecutor concluded that they didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's a, that's a lie. That's 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 a lie. Maybe the uh, maybe the cop just thought you were too demented and out of your mind to prosecute. 
No, Jay knows very well that that cop told me that I was too pretty to go to jail. Oh, <laughs> it was. He said it'd be like throwing meat to lions. Uh, Jay, uh, oh, wait, I cut him off. I didn't mean to do that. Jay, what'd you say? I, I, I actually I, hit the whole button. Yeah, I think he said you had a pretty mouth. <laughs> Jay St. Clair is with us. If you have any questions uh, for Jay regarding these or any other legal matters, it is time to ask said questions. You can either dial us up at 615-737-9986 or better yet, throw them in on the super text line and we'll get to them. 615-737-WWTN. Several people have already asked about the Hawaii nullification argument with regard to the Second Amendment and we'll get into that with Jay at some point during the proceedings today. It's super Talk 99.7 WTN. It's Friday. Yes, state Supreme Court. I do not have to follow a rule that I disagree with. That was his argument. That was That's, his argument almost in its totality. No, it was. He says, you're wrong, therefore I'm going to ignore your order. And you know who else said that one time? Andrew Jackson. Really? Old Hickory. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten what the details were. You may be able to find it. But in some case, went to the Supreme Court. And you know I love Andrew Jackson. Folks, if y'all had been to the Hermitage, you've got to go to the Hermitage. It is remarkable. And I've forgotten who the justice was, Judge Jackson, whoever wrote it. And so Andrew Jackson, he was in a fit of fury after the decision, man. He said, well, Judge Jackson's issued his uh, opinion. Let's see him enforce it. It was uh, 1832. Worcester versus Georgia, Jackson allegedly said, quote, John Marshall has made his decision. Now, let him enforce it. <laughs> now, that's old hick. It was, uh, it was involving Georgia's attempt to remove um, or to apply state law to Cherokee land. Mm -hmm. Let him right. enforce it. Right. Well, and the, the point being is that, well, you can make any decisions you want, but, you know, you, you're going to be hard-pressed to force me to do something that I don't want to do that I think is wrong. I get it. I get it. No, that, so that attitude's been around a long time, and it's, you know, kind of a frontier American attitude that if a court uh, decides a case that I disagree with, I'm just going to ignore them. Well, that's a good way to end up in prison. I mean, that's the way that movie normally ends. Well, and, and, and this is the way that this story ends. I was just looking at this here on my handy-dandy Google machine that apparently after proclaiming let him enforce it and ignoring the court's decision for a period of time, Jackson later issued a proclamation of the Supreme Court's power to decide constitutional questions and emphasized that his decisions had to be obeyed. Uh-huh. Yep. In other words, he cooled off. Throw is a bit is a dish best eaten warm. <laughs> I like, go ahead and take care of it. Don't All right, so you don't you don't I mean a lot of folks are looking at this going, What in the world? But it's just that. It's a what in the world moment and uh, it'll cost a little money and some lawyers will have to fly from Hawaii to the Washington DC to the Supreme Court, but ultimately you believe that the courts will say, No, you can't just ignore the Second Amendment. You are absolutely correct, man. Uh, all right, thirty-one after the hour. Jay is here for your questions, and I got a bit, I've got a, a good amount of them already. Jerry's here, Rick's here, George is here, and a lot of questions coming in on the Super Talk text line. So get yours in, and we'll fire them off at our legal correspondent, life consultant, and gambling buddy, Jay St. Clair, on Super Talk ninety-nine-seven WTN.
Super Talk 99.7 WTN. Matt Murphy and you, plus Jay St. Clair is here as well. We appreciate Jay spending some time with us. I get these invoices on a weekly basis, and I immediately pay them. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pro- I might pay it off in the next 24 hours. You never know. I might, you, you never know what might happen over the next 24 hours. I, I don't know. Uh, um, but we'll, we'll find out together. 36 after the hour as we continue with the Matt Murphy Show. Jerry has a question about a DUI. And, Jerry, you're on with Jay St. Clair. How are you, sir? Oh, good. Thank you. I appreciate your show here. Um, I have a, a, just wondering about a clarification, if it's true or not, you hear stories. Someone uh, maybe has a couple of drinks, maybe gets overserved or not, but it's time to leave wherever they've been drinking. And they get in their car and decide not to drive, but they uh, put the key in the ignition so they can turn on the radio. I've heard that you can actually get a DUI in that situation because the key's in the ignition. Uh, and if mm. that is true, does it make a difference if you're parked on a public street or, say, on private property premises? Possibly yeah, outside that, a bar. That, Great question, and yes, those situations do arise. This is this is drive uh, Matt nuts because this is in that gray area of the law. You know, a lot of that will depend on what a judge will do, uh, and th- there may be cases going both ways in Tennessee. You know, the the ultimate test is whether you you have or dominion over the car. You know, whether whether you're the one that's actually driving the car. Uh, so, yes, it's possible to be charged in that situation. I prefer to think this, that unless that person is engaged in some other kind of behavior that really upsets the prosecutor, they'll, they'll, well, for instance, if they have some prior DUI, that's going to be a problem. Or if they created a scene at the bar or you know committed some other kind of offense, that's going to be a problem. But, you know, if they just say, look, I, I wasn't going to drive. I just need to turn the heat on and the radio on. And I wasn't intending to drive. I, it's, it's going back to what we were talking about earlier. We're tearing up a ticket. I have, uh, Jerry, I don't know, and, and Jay, I don't mean to jump in here on, on top of you, but I remember a case in Alabama, and you might remember it too. Uh, and, Jerry, uh, I don't know what it is in Tennessee, but in Montgomery, Alabama, there was a case, like you're describing, where the individual decided that he was too drunk to drive home, left the bar, got in the back seat of his car, and went to sleep. The police um, were alerted that there was a guy in his car or something or another. I don't know how the police became aware of it. They went to him, knocked on the door. He got out of the car. Because he had his keys in his pocket, they charged him with a DUI. Right. Because yeah. they, they considered that he was in operation of the vehicle because he had the ability to leave. Now... What I would love to see, and and this is what Jay was alluding to, is a world where the cops recognize uh, that they need to detain this guy or keep him separate from the car. The the cops would tell you, the police would tell you, Jerry, the reason they have to do that is because if they leave, if they say, okay, well, you sleep it off and don't drive till you sleep it off, okay? And then they leave. And the guy then, because he's awake now, goes, well, I'm just going to go ahead and drive home. And then he kills somebody. The cops are then liable. Right. Yeah, and just because he got arrested doesn't mean he was convicted. Right, 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 right. And, and you're right, uh, Matt, that a lot of times they may be doing that for the person's own safety. At that point, but the safest place for that guy could be may be the who's Uh But that doesn't mean you're going to end up being convicted. And I, I remember having a conversation with and somebody, I forget who it was, and I'm saying, well, what are you saying the guy should do, lock his keys in the trunk? And, and the, you know what he said? He said, yeah. 
that if he if he had put his keys in the trunk of the car and closed the trunk of the car, then he was no longer in operation of the vehicle. And if he does not have his keys, then the cops don't have any justifiable reason to detain him, which is, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he's that, telling. What's the caller's name, man? Uh, Jerry. Jerry, I have some very yes. good news for you. I have available to me by text a absolutely world-class legal scholar on criminal law. And he might whisper into my ear what he thinks uh, the controlling principle is in Tennessee. I, I won't be able to get that right now, but we'll have it after the break. But here's the deal. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all thing. At the end of the day, you might get arrested just for your own safety. That doesn't mean you're going to be convicted. Yeah. Okay, well, it's good info. Uh, I've thought about it several times. <laughs> you can also... And I think um, Jay and I have some similar sources sometimes. And um, my source tells me, Jay, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, that uh, in Alabama, Jerry, you can get uh, you can get a DUI on a horse. <laughs> How about that? Well, I guess I guess too, if you get uh, if you're if you're boating and drinking, which seems to go hand in hand, and you get a DUI in a boat, it goes against your driving record. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You yeah. know what else? You know what you can get a DUI for in Tennessee? What's that? Particularly around Nashville? Uh, driving a lawnmower. <laughs> That's well, I'm guilty. <laughs> I'll just admit it. I'm guilty. Uh, what, I, Ask the possum. Uh-huh. As, uh, I saw the... Oh, I got, thank you, Jerry, for the call. Let me see if I can remember it, Jay. I'll talk, I saw the blue lights flashing, and so I pulled on over. And the officer said to me, get off that riding mower. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, George wants to ask a question about concealed carry. Hey, George, how are you? Hey, man, how you doing, buddy? I'm great, man. Hope you are. Uh, okay, I've turned the radio down a bit. Uh, are you getting any feedback? No, you're good. You sound great. Oh, good, good. I don't want to mess you up there um when, uh, about a week ago monday i asked somebody about a concealed carry question and he said it would be a good idea to bring it up on uh project nice. i'm wondering if you go into a store that has a sign that says you cannot carry a concealed weapon in the store and then something god forbid bad happens and you get shot can you in turn turn around and sue the store due to them not providing adequate security? Yeah, uh, you know, on this show we try not to ask the question, can you sue? Yeah, yeah, you always can't sue. So let's look at this from fifty thousand feet in order of it. Uh private property rights trump the Second Amendment because Second Amendment only applies to the government. It doesn't apply to the store. Store owners are absolutely within their right to say no firearms in my bed. That they absolutely have a right. So your question is, what if I go in a building and I get shot? Uh, can I then sue the store for for me being shot in their store? Because if they if I had let me bring my weapon, I wouldn't have gotten hurt. Is that your question? Yes, sir. Yeah, the answer is, yeah, you can assume whether you win depends really on the facts. The question is whether the store should have been on notice that there were dangerous people in the store. And if they knew that, then they have an obligation to 
protect the safety of their customers. I had this case when I was clerking for Judge Merritt when I was up in Nashville. It involved uh, hotels, you know, where people would break into hotels and harm uh, the tenants that were staying there. People sleeping overnight in the hotels get robbed or shot or what. And they were uh, suing the hotel. Well, the question was, did should the hotel owner have known that his hotel was down? And if he did, he had a duty to protect his patrons. Same rule applies here. If it's over on the bad part of town, and they're getting broken into a lot, and there's a lot of people getting hurt, then yeah, they, they got they they got some exposure. If it's over in um, um, uh, Brentwood where Matt lives, or oh gee, what's the, what's the fancy place up there? Um, Anyway, over in some fancy part of town. Uh-huh. Bellmead, yeah. Bellmead, yeah. yeah. If it's over at Bellmead, where trouble never happens, well, they didn't have any reason to believe you were going to get hurt in their store. So they're probably not liable. So, so it, depends on the, the, it depends on the specific circumstances. That's exactly right. So often the case in the law, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. The question is, should they have known that their place was dangerous? And if they should have, then they have a legal duty to protect the people coming in. George, I hope that I hope that answers that question. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's good. Thank I you, sir. It. Thank yes, you sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate your call. Uh, 615-737-9986, 615-737-WWTN, if you've got a question for our man Jay St. Clair. Um, uh, Wendy writes in and says, is it just me, or does Matt start talking like Jay when he has Jay on? Yes, I do. Uh, Jay, <laughs> so, yes, I my southern accent comes out when I'm around my friend, my brother, my life consultant and gambling buddy, Jay St. Clair. I admit that. What? Are you suggesting I have a southern accent? Not me, Jay. Wendy. Wendy has suggested as uh, she she has thrown this on the table for for your I mean I I don't know I don't really know what she's talking about Jay but she is suggesting that maybe you have a uh, southern accent. I don't know if any of your listeners are from East Tennessee, but I the first time I met a guy from Marvel, it was my freshman year at the University of Tennessee band. I could not understand a word he was saying. <laughs> and I looked, my 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 roommate was from Sevier which isn't far from Burble. And I looked at Tim and I said, does he have a mouthful of rocks? I can't understand the word he's saying. Talking like he's got marbles in his mouth. <laughs> now that's a Southern accent. Uh, and no doubt. 2660, can the Tennessee Assembly, General Assembly, I'm assuming, create yes. a law to punish employers of illegal immigrants? Absolutely. In fact, they probably have one. They don't. They should. Mm-hmm. They absolutely can make that criminal. It, and I, it's a crime under federal law, and a lot of states have done that too. So yes, the answer to that, sir, is yes. How much money? This is from thirty six, thirty two ninety six. How much money can you make selling Mary Kay from home if you're on disability? Live in Tennessee. Man, oh, man. I, lo- man, I love our listeners. And I, I, lo- <laughs> I don't know why I love it so much, but I do. So, if I, you're- think the, I think what he's asking is this. It, it, what amount of income will disqualify you from receiving the disability payments that you're receiving? 
And then the question is, well, what kind of disability payments are you getting? If it's a Social Security disability, you don't have to look at that. You can find it on the Internet. It's a fairly low threshold, I want to say around $20,000. Um, if it's, I don't know if it's state disability, I'd have to look at that. I just haven't looked at that in a while, but you, you can find it. If you're talking about SSI or, or social security disability, you can, you can find that on the internet. I'm going to, I'm going to say it's around $20,000 a year. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's Mary Kay. Right. Yeah. It could be anybody. Just any amount of income that you're bringing. don't, don't, I wouldn't do it selling Mary Jane. Well, that's true. That's different. Mary Kay, Mary Day, two very different clientels as well. You get into separate issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty-seven oh three says Jay doesn't have an accent. He talks perfectly normal. Matt yep. normally talks like a Yankee until Jay comes comes on, and he immediately starts talking normal too. <laughs> when uh, yeah, when I went to school up in the Northeast, and people said, "Well, I love your accent." I said, ma'am, I don't have an accident. I sound exactly like everybody I know. <laughs> Real quick before the break, uh, 7866 wants to know, Jay, what is your track weapon at Barber Motorsports? I drive a 2002 C5Z06 Corvette, and I love it. Absolutely love the car. It is a perfect platform for this. I hired two professional drivers to drive the car because I wanted to know what they could do with it. And one of them turned on 1 minute 37.8 seconds, which is fast. Anything under 140 is fast. Uh, the other one turned a 138.1. Bell, I, I can't help myself. I'm pleased to report that my fast lap in my C5Z06 Corvette is 138.8. Is that with or without the documents in it? <laughs> you think you're that funny? Is funny. You're both laughing. Uh, well, you know, I get. It. We're we're uh, showing a little, uh, showing a little. That's a little charity laugh. All right, Jay, we'll finish up on the other side. One fifty Super Talk ninety nine seven W T. Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennig. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I had the best time. It was challenging, but it was like the show. It doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're not. This was a dream. It's no fun. Genuinely. And if it wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Like, it was. Hey, it was fine. Because I've done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.